I think it will be. I think it, God just is only beginning the adventure of my life. But um, right now, I think it's leaning in, surrendering, and being faithful to whatever God has in store. Welcome to the Wrestling with Faith podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tolliver. Join me as we go on a search for deeper faith and deeper community. Hey there, it's Hannah. We want to thank you for tuning in. You have made this series so special. Today, we dive into our final chapter of the series, Becoming Israel. So grab a Bible and turn with me to Genesis 35. Genesis chapter 35, verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there, and build an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you, and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let's go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and who has been with me wherever I have gone." So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Then they set out, and the terror of God fell on all the towns around them so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is, Bethel, in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar, and he called the place El Bethel, because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under the oak outside Bethel, so it was named Alon Bukuth. After Jacob returned from Padam Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, Your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. Well, welcome back to the podcast for one more time, guys. This is the final episode. Wow. And as always, I am joined by Hannah and Tacho Coronado. How are you guys feeling? Excited but sad. It's kind of bittersweet yeah. that we're bringing the series to an end. It's definitely been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, the series has been so special just to kind of track a trajectory of a story and how God has worked and getting to do this with you guys. It's just been a ton of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, I've really enjoyed diving in um, to this passage at such uh, depth. Yeah. So thank you both for kind of taking this journey. It's actually been more insightful, I think, scripturally, at least learning from Mm. me, more insightful than anything I've done in a long time. Mm. Just so practical, too, so applicable to my own life. Uh, I found so much um, freedom in kind of learning about my ego and also figuring out, man, like talking throughout these episodes about 
it is life is a struggle and we're going to go through it together as a community and also with our relationship with God. So talking about on the podcast has been, um, Dave used the word cathartic and (laughs) I think it has been really cathartic. I've enjoyed these talks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I feel like I've, I've developed, um, kind of this attachment with Mm -hmm. Jacob Mm -hmm. and the story and I, I I don't feel quite ready to leave it yet, (laughs) which I think, I think is really special. Yeah. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but I think oftentimes in my own times with God, I'm like excited to finish books and move on to the next one or finish the story in the Bible. And I think, like I said, there's just been this this emotional attachment to Jacob and his story. And I think how the way people have responded in our ministry, the way my heart has responded, I think it's just been really inspiring but relatable. And because it's been so relatable, it's um, there's just been something really special about that. To spend so much time in this passage, it's really allowed me to put myself into Jacob's shoes. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm like sad when he's sad, and I'm yeah. like excited yeah. when he's excited, <laughs> and I, and I think that's been a really fun journey. And these passages have been so great, and I am definitely super stoked to dive into Genesis 35. Yeah. It's all been kind of leading up to this. Yeah. So catch We're us up on this passage. Yeah. What what are we reading here? Yeah. Well, Jacob has had quite the life. You know, we started looking at his story mm-hmm. from literally the womb yeah. and he was wrestling with his brother even before he came out. And uh, I, I just think it was so interesting to look back at his overinflated ego and the places that that sent him. He was constantly on the move because he just couldn't um, get a grip on his ego. So I thought it was good for us to sit there. Um, of course, the way God intervened into his life, wrestling with God, wrestling with man. And here where we're picking it up is a little bit after he um, reconciled with Esau. God had called him to go back and um, reconcile with Esau. And it's this beautiful picture of forgiveness and reconciliation. And they move on from that. And now what we're seeing is that God is intervening in his life again and is calling him to return to Bethel. And Bethel is a place of great significance to Jacob because if you guys remember back in Genesis 28, when God originally intervened into his life, it was at this place. It was at Bethel and he was kind of bargaining with God very early in his faith where he's like, okay, God, if you'll be with me, then I'll make an altar. You will be my God. Um, And in verse two, we, we see a turn in Jacob's character yet again. Um, he calls his household to get rid of the foreign gods and to purify themselves and mm. to change their clothes. And what I love about this is what we see here is back in the beginning of Jacob's life, he was kind of a homewrecker, right? Like right. Yeah, he broke he relationships with his brother, with his dad, he had to flee. And now what we're seeing here is a man who's spiritually leading his family. Wow. Where he's going, guys, God is calling me back to Bethel you need to get your hearts right. You need to make sure that you have no foreign idols. We are going to worship and serve the mm-hmm. Lord. And in verse three, he recalls, like, this is the God who came to me when I was in distress. When I had to run away, God intervened into my life, and he never forgot what God had done in his life. And of course, we see God's faithfulness again. In verse five, you know, the terror of the Lord had fallen on all the surrounding um, people. Mm-hmm. And I think this just also demonstrates the faithfulness of God, that as Jacob is obeying this call to return to Bethel, God is protecting his family so that he could carry out what he called him to. And lastly, in verse 10, I just find it amazing that God yet again renames Jacob Israel. Hmm. 
you know, that's really interesting that um, he returns back to Bethel, this place that he kind of already has had this significant moment with God. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just amazing that as he returns later on in life, he's now a married man. Mm-hmm. He's a dad. Yeah. Like he's returning in such a different place than when he was in Bethel the first time. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, the first time he's there, he kind of sets up this um, little rock remembrance place of <laughs> yeah. God. And he yep. just like pours a little bit of oil on it. And now he's here setting up this altar, which mm. I imagine is far more of a permanent, you know, kind of structure. It's a good point. Um, so mm. he like starts with like this small bit of significance with God in this place, and then he returns and even makes it more of a significant place later in his life. Yep. I love the significance of uh, the rock into the altar. Mm-hmm. And I think um, from something small, God was really bringing him back to verify mm-hmm. the promises that he made. Yeah. Uh, even looking back in um, Genesis chapter 28, I love that God says to him, uh, I am the Lord your God, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Mm. Hmm. And so he's there at Bethel, the land in which he's lying. Uh-huh. And at the time, no descendants, like you said, no yeah, family, he's alone. You know, alone. Yeah. He's so alone. I yeah. mean, like really alone. Yeah. And um, and now he's coming back with his mm-hmm. descendants and, and with a whole clan, a whole bedab, as yeah. Bayman yep. has taught us. And, and and how cool is he starting this family? Yeah. And he's there. Um, at Bethel on the land on which he lied. And I just think it's so great that God calls him back to Bethel to verify, I wasn't just giving you words. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like, I wasn't blowing wind. I really meant it. Like I was, I'm going to give you this land. Yeah. And oh, cool. um, so faithful. It really so is. Edifying. And yeah. it's cool that you're talking about God verifying his promise. Right. This also gives Jacob a way to verify his end of the promise. Because if you remember in Genesis 28, Jacob was bargaining with God. And he said, if you protect me, if you will keep watch over me, then you will be my God. Well, fast forward over 20 years, God has certainly made good on that promise. He He has protected Jacob. He has been with him even to this day. And now Jacob has this opportunity to demonstrate Man, this isn't just a rock here. I'm I'm building you an altar to really verify my end of the promise wow. by saying you are my God. Wow. You're so right for saying that too because I think it's important for me to remember that um you know, it's great for me to hold God to his promises. I think God mm-hmm. wants us to do that, right? Yeah. He wants us to remember and to hold him, you know, in a sense of like God, I'm I'm counting on your promises. But Jacob gives me a good example of that I need to hold on to my end of the bargain too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. God's just not a promise machine where he's just like, you know, like I just, I don't, it doesn't matter what I do or it doesn't matter if I thank him for it. Like, no, it, it actually does. This is a relationship. Yep. And so looking back on the times of my life where like, what, what are some things that I said to God? God, if you deliver me from this, mm-hmm. I will do that. And yeah. it's like, have I made good on that? You know what I mean? Like I, I got to go back and check. Yeah, like, are there things that I've, uh... I've promised God, like, God, I really want to do this for you. And, and have I, um, I'm sure there's been plenty of times when I have said, God, you know, I, please help me in the situation. I want to use this for the kingdom. I want to use this to bless the church. And then I get blessings from God and I kind of, uh, I don't know, leave it behind and I keep mm. moving and I, and I forget it's about relationship. And like, like you said, the significance of returning back to Bethel, that's, um, that's actually kind of challenging remembering that. Yeah. Josh, I, I appreciate you saying that. I do think also though, Jacob has, 
a lifelong journey that we've watched here with mm, God. Where now point. he's in his 90s, finally, like, kind of going back to God and saying, yeah. I'm going to be faithful to you. Um, and I think sometimes it does. It takes us a lifetime to be able to kind of have these type of moments like we see Jacob have here. Yeah. No, you guys brought up really good points. I, I Two things that come to mind is the concept of covenant. Um, God is such a faithful spouse. I mean, that's mm. that's really what we're talking about here when we talk about covenant. It's it's marriage language, and it's it takes two, right? Where mm. God makes these incredible promises, but like you mentioned, it is a relationship, and we're called to hold our end of the bargain, which also leads me to the second thing that came to mind in 2 Timothy 2, verse 13. It says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Wow. He cannot disown himself, mm. which I just find so much confidence in that, that you know mm. what? I am going to strive to do my very best to uphold it, but God's faithful. Even when mm. I'm a knucklehead, even when I'm <laughs> blowing it over and over and over, yep. God remains faithful. Amen. quick before we move on kind of and deep in the discussion god had already renamed him israel mm-hmm. from jacob but then we see him doing it again here in this passage obviously that's not just like god forgot yeah you're like oh did i name you israel yet you know what i mean like yeah he, sure. he obviously yeah. there's a significance to this so why is he doing it again yeah well let me let me um give kind of my personal thought on that. Um, I'm sure you can dive into this question. There might be some theological significance. I just think God knows we're human. Mm. He knew Jacob was a human being Mm. and we need affirmation. Mm. I I think about when we first got baptized, like you are forgiven. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You are a disciple of Jesus. But as we wrestle in our faith in the months and years that follow that, we start to question our identity. Yeah. We start to question yeah. our salvation. And what I see here is God going, hey, Jacob, don't forget, like, you are Israel. Right, right. I right. have given you a new identity. And I think that rings so true in our own lives. When we're questioning and doubting our own identity and our own relationship with God, that he's going, look, regardless of where you're at, you are my son, Mm. you are my Mm. daughter, you are a disciple of Jesus, and nothing can take that away from you, which I just find so empowering and and confidence-inducing that God wants us to know our true identity. Yeah, and I just think about, like, the power of repetition. You know, I think about, like, if on our wedding day, Tatra was like, Hannah, I love you. And then he never said it again, ever. <laughs> yeah, that'd be weird. And I'd be like, do you still love me? Like 10 years later. And he's like, well, I told you on our wedding day. I'd be like, I kind of <laughs> need to hear that more than once in my life. Yep. Um, mm. But I just think about God being the same way with us, that we need repetition. We need mm-hmm. reminders because what we are tempted to want to believe about ourselves or what the world tells us about ourselves is so in our face all the time. And I think if God is not also in our face all the mm-hmm. time telling us who we really are, we're going to forget. Yep. Which also I think goes back to, I mean, we refer back to this quite a bit, the punchline of the podcast, Deeper Faith and Deeper Community. 
as a community, we need to remind ourselves of our identity. When we're feeling guilty, when we're doubting who we are as Christians, we have to be there for each other and go, you are a disciple of Jesus. You are loved by God. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. And I also think on the other side of that, when we're acting out of line with the gospel, that we're reminded, hey, you're a disciple of Jesus. Like you shouldn't be acting that way. So Mm. I think it goes both ways where it's the affirmation when we're doubting and guilty or whatever, but it also calls us higher when we start to lower our standards in our faith. Yeah. God, God says many times in the old Testament, I am the Lord, your God. Mm -hmm. And, and as a reminder, like I'm, I am yours, you are mine. And like, this is, this is a covenant Mm. we have with each other. It's great. I love that. Yeah, and what I want to move on to here is actually a concept that you brought up in one of our earlier podcasts. I think it was like episode one or two, but um, you brought up how the promise to Jacob is a continued promise. Mm-hmm. Started with Abraham, um, then to Isaac, and then it mm. found its way to Jacob. Um, we actually see the continued promise um, stated yet again in this chapter. So why don't we look at verses 11 through 15 and see that continued promise? Let's do it. Genesis chapter 35, verse 11. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. And I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at the place where he had talked with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him, and he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. So this is really where we get to start answering the question, what does it mean to be Israel? Which is what this episode is about. Um, God, again, says, I am God Almighty. But then he starts making these really interesting commands where he's saying, be fruitful and multiply, increase in number. I mean, we've been seeing God give this command from the beginning of, of time to his people. And he says all these really cool things, a nation and a community of nations will come from you and kings will be among your descendants. Essentially what he's saying here is, Jacob, your family is going to make incredible impact on the world that I've created. Yeah. And the impact isn't going to come because you're awesome. I mean, clearly we've, we've studied Jacob for quite some time. This dude was messed sure. up, yeah. but God is saying, <laughs> because I am faithful, I am not going to let go of this promise to make sure that my family grows. And I think that just gives us a window into God's heart. God wants his family to grow. He wants it to extend and he wants us to be a blessing. You know, it's been so good for us in the series to look inward, right? To look at our own egos, to look at our own relationships, to look at our own walk with God and to wrestle with that. And it's good. We should never stop doing that. But at some point, 
we have to be outwardly focused. And that's what God is trying to communicate to Jacob here. Mm. Like, watch, I, I've been with you. I, I've, I've done amazing things and fulfilled my promises. But Jacob, now you need to go and be a blessing to all nations. And he uses it by saying, be fruitful and multiply. And we see this in Jesus. I mean, at the end of the gospel, he says, go and make disciples, which is essentially the New Testament version of Jesus saying, be fruitful and multiply. So I just find this incredibly inspiring that the call to be fruitful and multiply starts with the beginning of the Bible and it finds itself into the gospel. And when we lean in and accept the gospel, we become a part of that same promise and narrative. Yeah. So cool to draw that line. Another way that I would love to kind of expand on your teaching, uh, the word Bethel means house of El or house of God. Mm. And so when he names this place, the house of God, and God's teaching is be fruitful and multiply, right? God wants us to, ex- he wants his people to expand and to, mm-hmm. and to experience growth and freedom. And we see the same type of teaching in John chapter 14. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me as well. In my father's house mm. are many rooms. Yeah. If that were not so, what I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. Wow. And I love how Jesus draws on that, that the, the house of God. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the same thing. I mean, it's like, of course, he's not using the word Bethel, sure. or he's saying our translations, sure, but yeah, I can, yeah. that conversation is bringing, I'm sure for, for that, for mm. them as a people are bringing back so much imagery yeah. and oh yep. i get it what you're saying yeah. is the place that god has consecrated for his people this is my this is for you this is the house of god mm-hmm. be here multiply here is exactly what jesus is saying i'm going to go prepare this place for you yep. so bring as many people yep. as you can because that's god's promise for them be a vessel for god's promise wow yeah this is this is so cool i love both of you guys just um, taking these Old Testament passages, tying them in with Jesus, tying them in with the New Testament, because I think it just, it's so faith building that the Bible and God, his character is just so consistent throughout time. So true. um, I think sometimes we can kind of separate the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, but that's really not true. There's just such overlap. The overlap I see from Jacob's story into the New Testament is Of course, God calls him to increase in number, that there's going to be more descendants, more Mm -hmm. numerical people. But he also talks about the kind of people there'll be, like there will be kings, like Mm, there will be these like great kinds of people too. Yeah, It it reminds me of Galatians 5, where we're given this list of the fruits of the spirit, right? Of joy, peace, kindness, forbearance, of the kinds of people we're called to be too, that it's not just about numerically how many disciples or people of God there are, it's about the kinds of people we're going to be and the kind of fruit we're going to have in our life. And I just, I love that parallel as well, that it's not just about how many, but what kinds of people of God we're going to become. Absolutely. Well, for those listening, we didn't necessarily plan on tying in all these New Testament passages, but to continue with this theme, Hannah, your point is so good, talking about the um, the types of people that God is going to have in his family. And Josh, you talking about the house of God and how there's many rooms and his desire is to have it full. Both of your points tie in with this next scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, says, but you are a chosen people, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Amen. He's talking about the types of people, but so what? So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It's this, this, it's this constant continuation of God wants his house to be full. He partners with people. He calls them from the lowest of places, as we've all shared before, Mm -hmm. creates them to be these amazing people of God so that they can go on and make an impact in other people's Mm. lives. Mm -hmm. That is what we are called to do. That is a beautiful calling. It's a part of our discipleship. It's such such a vital part of our discipleship. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I, I think something that I'm tempted to do and something that I've seen also in my peers is to create kind of like a weird taboo part of making disciples. It gives me the heebie-jeebies sometimes, and I'd love to expand more on how I've allowed myself to become that way in different ways. But I don't know, maybe you guys have seen that. Sometimes it's like we start talking about come to be making disciples, and 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 that kind of lingo can can frighten. It, one, it can frighten sometimes. It can frighten me because it feels like, oh man, did I just sign up for the army? Like, am I just now being told? Or, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe it brings back feelings of that. But then it's it seems like we kind of, I can throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. And suddenly God's promise and blessings for me are much more self-focused than outward focused. Yeah. Um, Josh, I really appreciate you bringing that up because I think that can be me sometimes. I feel like that's a lot of people um, in our age group, a lot of people in our audience. And I just, I want to draw on something that Tacho mentioned earlier, you know, that we um, kind of throughout this series have been looking really introspectively and, and focusing on kind of the inward wrestle that we have with God. And then he said, you know, and now we're going to be shifting more towards talking about the outward. And, yeah. and, and I think sometimes that's the thing that gets people really, um, thrown off maybe mm. is okay. that we are either one or the other, that it's yeah. either like you yep. being a monk on your own, <laughs> like just being really deep with God, or it's all about everyone you bring to church and mm-hmm. how many people did you tell about Jesus today? And, and I think that's where we get really caught up is, is that we make it one or the other, mm-hmm. that we're either really into ourselves and our own faith, or we're really into other people and making everyone a Christian. And I think that God's intention was always that we would be both, mm-hmm. that we would mm. live these fruit-filled lives, right? Where we are deep and walking closely with God, but that we will also multiply, that we're fruitful. And I think fruit is many things, Yeah. but that we're also going to multiply, that there's going to be more of us, that we're going to spread the good news. And I think it's it's when we come from a place of being deep and close with God, that we are motivated to go and share the gospel, tell people about Jesus, that it's not one or the other, but really we're called to be both yeah. always. Yeah. Balanced. I couldn't agree more. Um, it's it's a both and, not mm-hmm. either or, Yeah. right? Um, and I think that's such a, an important part. I mean, Josh just used the word. It's having a balanced faith, yeah. and we need both because— we can be the most evangelistic people sharing our faith all the time and telling everyone about Jesus. But it's like if our personal times within are non-existent, 
I don't think that's healthy. Mm-mm. Right. On the other hand, I mean, we can be, you know, studying the scriptures all the time and have a deep knowledge of God and who he is and all of that. But if we don't share that with people, that's also an unbalanced faith. Mm. We need both. Mm. We need the deep, intimate times with God. We need the self-reflective times. But we're also called to be outwardly focused and bless those around us. Yeah, everything you're saying is right. And I hear it. I hear you, Han. I I hear you, Tacho. I, I think the hard part for me, speaking from personally, is that I think about making disciples and getting out there and being evangelistic and living that kind of lifestyle, I really have a very narrow mind of what that looks like, like seeing it successfully done. Mm -hmm. And so I think like, oh, then I just got to be like out there all the time, like Mm. cold contact, walking on the streets, street preaching, or, you know I mean? I don't know, Mm. find a college campus nearby and just start inviting people to somebody. You know what I mean? I I can easily have a very narrow mindset. So it, it feels sometimes taboo to me to talk about it or it pricks my feelings to talk about it because I feel like I'm, I don't know. I feel like I'm <laughs> I, I'm being called to something that I'm like, I just, inf- that's not like, it's hard or, or maybe it's just not a part of my lifestyle anymore. And so trying to find a way to fit that into my, it's my day-to-day lifestyle now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is what I want to do. And maybe I feel guilty about not doing it as much. And so it can, <laughs> it can feel taboo because it's, it's, it's like, I don't even necessarily know a way forward. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah well, absolutely. first of all, dude, thanks for sharing that because that's not the first time I've heard that and I mean as as a preacher sometimes I can I can be a little um timid when it comes to the topic of evangelism for that exact reason right like you say the word evangelism and the eyes start to gloss over or whatever <laughs> and I just think and I say this with respect I think when we look at things like evangelism sharing the gospel from a shallow faith, it does sound exhausting. It does sound very unhealthy. Mm. Like, oh, why has got to get out there and do this and do that? And it's all about the doing. But when we take the time to look at God's story, like we're doing now, and going, wait, this is God's heart to be fruitful and multiply. Because someone obeyed that call, I'm now a part of the family of believers, and I have an opportunity now to extend the family of believers by simply obeying the call of being fruitful and multiply. So I I can empathize with you because when yeah. I'm not very deep in my own faith, it does sound kind of like, ah, I don't want to do that. Like, why am I going to get out there and pass out flyers or whatever? But when I see it through God's lens and go, this is an opportunity to teach people about God. This is an opportunity to share the life that I have that I only have because of God's faithfulness in my life, it changes the perspective entirely. It's kind of like Jacob. God has been with me. God has been faithful to me. So it led him to do some incredibly courageous things. And maybe that courageous thing is passing out a flyer. Maybe it is inviting your coworker or whatever. And I don't want to make it all about evangelism because being a blessing is so much more than that. But certainly spreading the gospel is evidence that the gospel has made an impact on your life and heart. Yeah. And inviting people into our homes and sure. creating friendships. And yeah. I appreciate you saying that. I think we should change the name of the podcast to Wrestling With My Shallow Faith. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I really appreciate you saying that. That's that's really good advice. And I think as with everything in our lives, Jesus is the perfect 
example. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think about all of the ways that Jesus introduced people to God. Mm -hmm. He's sitting on the side of a field feeding 5,000, or he's in someone's home for dinner, like you said, or he's sitting with a woman at a well. There are so many ways that Jesus interacted with people and showed them God. And I think if we're going to minimize it to just one thing, (laughs) it does feel exhausting or tiresome, especially if we don't feel like that's maybe where our natural strengths lie. But I think Jesus showed us examples of how to show people the gospel in so many ways so that we could all find our way, (laughs) you know, our thing. Maybe your thing is, is coworkers. Maybe your thing is going out to a public place and and talking to people you've never met before. Maybe your thing is family and and you're really good at building connections with your um, physical family and bringing them to Christ. I just think Jesus demonstrated so many ways to show people God so that we would all have hope that this could be our lives too. Great point. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I love that point. And we all have different gifts and that's mm-hmm. that's so important for us to lean into. It's going to look different from person to person. It yeah. doesn't look one particular way for every single person. Right. But the goal is multiplying the family of God. Right. Amen. The goal is aligning our hearts with God's heart, mm. aligning our will with the promise of God and the command of God to be fruitful and multiply. So this has been a really good conversation. We've talked a lot about the multiplication side of, of God's sure, command, yeah. right? Extending his family. And I loved your point, Josh, on um, there's a lot of rooms in God's house for a reason. And, mm-hmm. and we have an opportunity to fill those rooms. We, we get the honor of being a part of that. 100%. But I do want to ask, what are some other ways that you guys feel like we as God's people can be a blessing to the people around us? That's, that's good. It's good to talk about that because it's not like everything with God. It's not just one dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one way that we can really be a blessing to those around us is, 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 is taking care of those in need. Mm-hmm. You know, part of God's greatest greatest commandments in the Torah is is about taking care of the orphan, the widow, and yep. the refugee. Yep. Um, and every time that Israel really gets away from that commandment is when they really lose sight of what God had in mind for them, which mm-hmm. was to be a blessing to those who really needed it. Yeah. And I think we are we are we are definitely called to that is yeah. to be a blessing to those in need. Mm. And I know that's, you know, there's a, there's a friend of mine who comes to mind, who's always at taking it to the streets mm-hmm. and always serving those around him. And that's one yep. way to do it. Yeah. And that's amazing. Um, there are other ways to do it as well. I think of serving those in need. And I, and I think that's a huge part of how we're blessed. You know, when we, when we extend the blessing of God to those around us, I think that's key. Yeah, you know, as you asked that question, immediately John 15, 13 came to mind. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Mm. And I think absolutely seeking and saving the lost is a huge part of how we're a blessing. Taking care of the community and the needs around us is a huge part. I think another huge element and and way that we can be a blessing to others is in our church communities, mm. um, in in our one another relationships, to lay down our lives for our friends. If they're in wilderness seasons or going through trials or hardships or difficulties, being there, being you know the ones that are kind of lifting up each other's arms in the hard moments, and um, 
really being able to minister to each other in those ways. Yeah, this is all really good because being outwardly focused means a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. Laying down our life for our friends um, in the church community, outside of the church community, looking out for the poor, as Josh mentioned. I mean, Jesus even talks about visiting those in prison. I mean, there's so many ways for us to embrace our Mm. identity as Israel to be a light to the nations. And that's what we're called to be. A blessing. We got to really wrestle with that. I encourage of you, if you're listening to this and you feel drawn towards something, if there's a thought that keeps, as Hannah stated a couple episodes ago, like if you keep circling back to something in your Mm. mind of how you can grow in this, follow that thread, see where it goes, pray about that, because that could really lead you to something that God has in mind for you to bless others around you. So just kind of took the opportunity to challenge them on that. But uh, anyways, but before we close out, um, can we look at the very end of his life? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. So let's look at at Genesis 48, and we're going to jump around a little bit, um, but let's start in verse 1. We pick up the story in Genesis chapter 48, verse 1. Sometime later, Joseph was told, your father is ill. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, along with him. When Jacob was told, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel rallied his strength and sat up on the bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan. And there he blessed me and said to me, I am going to make you fruitful and increase your numbers. I will make you a community of peoples and I will give this land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you. Skip on down to verse eight. When Israel saw the sons of Joseph, he said, Who are these? They are the sons God has given me here, Joseph said to his father. Then Israel said, bring them to me so I may bless them. In verse 15, then he blessed Joseph and said, may the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully and the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. In verse 21, then Israel said to Joseph, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and take you back to the land of your fathers. This this passage, I don't know about you, it, it, it kind of makes me emotional looking at the end of Jacob's life. You know, I mentioned earlier that um, there's been this emotional attachment that I've had to Jacob mm-hmm. and just seeing the way that he ends his life here. I mean, he's close to 150 years old. Wow. Um, we've been we've been tracking this guy's story from the womb mm-hmm. and uh, just seeing the story that this guy has. I mean, this was the man who was so obsessed with attaining blessing and lying and cheating and doing whatever whatever it took to mm-hmm. get the blessing. And now at the end of his life, he's ending it by 
blessing other people, which mm. I just find so, so impactful. I mean, that's the punchline for me of this entire story. The man who was obsessed with attaining blessing and ends his life by giving it. And he continues to remember milestones. I mean, he continues to look back at that story in Luz where, mm-hmm. or Bethel where he where he um, met God for the first time and was blessed by him and given a new identity. And, you know, I mentioned this in, in one of our last podcasts, but Jacob was never perfect. He, he never got no. to a place in his faith where he was absolutely perfect. In fact, he even looks back at his life as, um, as pretty harsh and, and hard. I mean, he had some really difficult times, but the one thing that he always remembered was God's presence in his life. And that's what gave him the confidence to turn to his son Joseph and say, God will be with you. It's such a cool testament to a man realizing that he he was never going to be, like the, the point was never him being enough. Mm-hmm. The point was that he relied on God mm-hmm. and that God was faithful to him. And he, uh, he follows God's instruction and he passes on that promise, which I think is so cool. If it's such a pivotal part of our story as mankind making our way home to God that he he passed on the promise to Joseph so that Joseph could then pass on the promise. And eventually that same promise would take the Israelites through the, you know, through, through the Red Sea mm-hmm. on the way to the promised land. Yep. That same promise. Wow. Yeah. I, I feel the same way you do, Tacho, where I feel like I've kind of grown this emotional attachment to Jacob as we've been studying his life and kind of watching his trajectory. What really sticks out to me here is in verse 16, um, where he's giving the blessing to his grandsons um, and says, may they be called by my name. And mm-hmm. it's just interesting because like he, at the beginning of his life is pretending to be his brother. He doesn't want his name. You know, he wants Esau's mm. name. He wants to oh, be, the, you know, like really he's, right. he's trying to run from his own identity and mm-hmm. be someone else. Yeah. And now we see him want his name carried on. Yeah. And I think that's just such a testament to what God had done in his life, that God had taken him from this person that... He didn't even, Jacob didn't even want to be around himself. Like Mm -hmm. he wanted to be someone else. And now where he's proud of who he is through God and wanting to pass that on from generation to generation is just really special. And I just think a testament to what God can do if we walk faithfully with him. Yeah. Yeah. And just to add to your point, I mean, the name that he really wrestled with was Jacob. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And now he's leaning into the God-given identity that he has, Mm -hmm. Israel, and that's the name that he wants carried on. Not the old Jacob, not the deceiver, conniver, you know, snake oily guy. No, this is who I, this is the identity that God has given me, and I want that legacy to be passed on. I I just find that so powerful. Um, You know, personally, what what I feel challenged in, I, I think what my sinful nature really boils down to is my selfishness. I I have a hard time, like Philippians 2 puts it, looking to the interests of others. Mm. We're not doing anything out of vain conceit. That That is a challenge for me. And I think what this calls me to is that if I really want to become Israel, if I really want to be a people of God, I cannot think that way. Mm. I cannot ask the questions, what's in it for me? Will I get recognition? How will this make me look? It's mm. not about me 
becoming Israel means my life is about God, mm-hmm. embracing the new identity that God has given me and laying down my old identity, the old me that wanted to worship myself, that idolized myself, that asked the question, what's in it for me, is dead. It's been nailed to the cross, wow. and I have to lean in to the identity of Israel to be a blessing to other people. So that challenges me, but it also inspires me um, because I think Jesus' statement, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, has really rung true in my life, and I'm humbled by that truth every time I partake in it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And and I really empathize with what you're saying. I think that can so easily be me as well, where, um, maybe I, I, it's easy for me to want to be like, yeah, my life's all about God. But what also becoming Israel is, is making then your life about others. Like that he was passing on this blessing to his children, to his grandchildren, that, that it was about more who the Israelite people were going to become. Hmm. And making my life about serving others yeah. <laughs> is really, really challenging for me. I feel like I've even been experiencing that a lot this week of um, having a sick husband or having a sick mm. daughter. And I don't want to make my life about serving <laughs> other people. I want to be served. And um, I just think that as we try and aim to become Israel, it's more and more a life of other fo- others focused mm-hmm. and not as much what can I get out of it? Yeah. I think in the end for me, in order to be Israel, you know, Jacob lost the wrestling match with God, but Israel won the blessing. Mm-hmm. And I think that Jacob had to submit. Yeah. Eventually he had mm-hmm. to, he had to, yeah. yeah, there was no way he was going to win that mm-hmm. match and he had to submit in order to really see God's blessing. And I think for me now, what does that mean? I think in the end, it means about submission to God. Mm. What is God's calling for me? In order to get God's promise for me, I have to follow his calling. Yeah. And so often I, I want the promise without the calling. Yeah. Uh, it's much more comfortable that way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, aspects of whether it's my marriage like getting in the trenches and, and, and really being serious about my character so mm-hmm. that I can submit to God's word so I can be a blessing to my wife. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather yeah. my wife submit to God's word so that she, you know, <laughs> you know, she can be yeah. a blessing to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, 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 and it's a lot, of, but more even moving past that with my friends mm-hmm. and, and, and the lost and, and seeking to, to, to help them be saved. I think submitting to God's way so that they can be, saved. And I think ultimately living my entire life to submit in the wrestling match. I mean, coming back even to what we said back in the first, I think it was the first time we started talking about this. I don't even know if we were recording the podcast at this time, but we, we, we me and you were sitting there and we were talking about, man, what does it really mean to wrestle with God? And I think it was eventually it was just, it's, it's the act of how we submit to his word because mm-hmm. it's, it's the journey to get there yeah, and to make it truly ours, mm-hmm. not just something we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, this is, uh, it's kind of sad as we bring the, the plane yeah. in for a landing here. Um, but there will be more series and prayerfully some more podcasts in the future. Um, but taking everything that you guys just said, what word or statement would you use to answer the question, what does it mean to become Israel? You know, I feel a little bit like my dad when you asked him to define what wrestling with God was. Mm -hmm. And he was like, 
is there one definition? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like that. Like, is there one definition of what it means to become Israel? I don't think so. I think it's everything mm. that we've talked about thus far and more. Mm-hmm. And maybe when I'm 147, I'll have a different, <laughs> <laughs> better answer for you. I think I, I truthfully in my 26-year-old self, I don't know all of what it will mean to become Israel in my life. Mm. Um, I don't know what my faith will look like in my 50s or in my 80s. I hope it's just epic and awesome. I think it will be. I think God just is only beginning the adventure of my life. But um, right now, I think it's leaning in, surrendering, and being faithful to whatever God has in store. Mm. I love that takes me back to that verse in the beginning of his story when he's in the wilderness and he wakes up after the dream and he says, surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't mm. know and I wasn't mm. aware of it. Mm-hmm. And I think of that moment um, on his, this was on his journey to becoming Israel. It wasn't mm-hmm. after it wasn't, but that to me is really what it really, what it means mm-hmm. to wrestle with my faith to become Israel is to look back and be made aware of all the ways that God has worked in my life. Mm. So I'm struggling mm-hmm. in the valley. Sure. Like we're always going to be wrestling with our faith yeah. and with life and with God. But to be able to look back and know the, the the milestones, to have the landmarks and the altars that we've raised in our life, to be grateful for how God has worked. And I think that that truly is what it means mm. to be Israel. And as we look through the story of the nation of Israel... Every time where they were reminded of who they were, they were also reminded of all the things that God had did. And and, and they recount the story of leaving Egypt and they recount all the great ways mm. that he's worked in their life. And so I think of being Israel as being someone who I, I, I'm wrestling with my life, but I'm aware of how good God is. And I think, mm. you know, for me and for anyone who's listening, you know, when you're in a wilderness period, it's really hard to see God at work. Yeah, but being Israel in that time is is sometimes just holding on mm-hmm. and just going. I know God's at work. I have no idea how. Yeah. Um, Amen. But that will we will look back in the future and go. Surely God was in this place. Yeah. What yeah. do you think, Tacho? Well, first a comment to Josh. I think that was really well put because um, we see that in Israel's life. He looks back multiple times and yeah. says, God was with me at this place. Yeah. He was with me when I was fleeing from my brother. Like he remembers mm. those times. Or in those moments, he wouldn't have said God is with me when no. he was running from his family. Sure. Yeah, but he looks back in hindsight and goes, God was there. God was there. So I love that. No, I was I was having um uh, my time with God the other day, studying out the um, the ending of his life here, um, to answer your question, Hannah. And I just, I wrote down a few bullet points. Okay. Um, and ironically, it, it follows his life. You know, babe, I really loved your point on, um, you know, we're not 147 years old. <laughs> and who knows if we ever will be, right? We're not even 47. Yeah, we're not even 47. <laughs> we won't be. We but, won't make it to But the beauty of the scriptures is that we get to look at this 147-year-old man and glean lessons from his right. life. Sure. And I think because of that, I think the first thing to becoming Israel is embracing a healthy and confident ego. That it's not an ego that's overinflated, what's in it for me, self-serving, yeah. whatever, but it's 
No, uh, my life is focused on other people. My life is focused on God. I have a healthy ego, and I use the gifts that God has given me to serve others. I think as the name implies, it's a person who's willing to wrestle with and engage God in the ups and downs of their life, digging deep, finding their whys, and refusing to give up. A person who reconciles with man when they've been hurt or when they've hurt other people. Mm-hmm. An acknowledgement of God's life, um, I'm sorry, of God's activity in their life. A person that has deep concern and care for the growth of God's family. A person who blesses others. And lastly, a person who wrestles with their faith. That is the call. Thank you for, uh, I just want to say thank you for taking us through this journey. It took a lot of study to do this. So I, it's I, a lot of fun. I have been, you've blessed me. <laughs> you've been Israel to me, my friend. And I'm very, I'm grateful for both of you. Thank you for your wisdom, Hannah, and your insight. And it's just been so cool to hear you touch on this. Uh, both of you are such, are, are, are really truly anointed with one incredible God-given spirit-filled wisdom. Mm. Grateful for that. And I think I've been encouraged to be called uh, higher. Um, and I appreciate you bringing this full circle to talk about a confident ego. Because mm. in the end is not to be, is not to become something that, you know, to try to like get rid of, I don't know, like uh, become someone who you're not or put on a mask or be something, you know, like to become some Superman version of yourself mm-hmm. or whatever. It's really just to become the most healthy version of who God created you to be. And that is truly the most beautiful thing that we can do is to become who God meant us to be. Hmm. And I think it takes a journey to get there. I think we don't start out there because we live in a broken world. So thank you for this call. And it truly is a journey that will continue to go. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to continue. Obviously, we're just getting started. Yep. No, I think it's right to thank you, Josh, for yes. all of your hard yes, work yes, with yes. the editing of this podcast. And a lot of hours go into that. Yes. So thank you for that and your insight in, in the podcast. You've talked about our insight. It's been a team effort. Mm. And this conversation and this study has been so empowering and impactful because of all the voices that have been a part of it. And I just want to say to to our listeners, thank you for um, coming along for the ride. <laughs> yeah. I hope that this has been a blessing to you, and I look forward to hearing more um, from you guys for future series and podcasts that we'll have. It's exciting. We're, we're I, I think I definitely want to remind everybody, we are just getting started. Amen. And with that, I guess for the final time, We are closing out today's podcast. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you both for everything. Um, That's it for the Wrestling With Faith podcast. For now. For now. For now. We will see (laughs) you guys next time. We'll see y'all. As we close out our first season of this podcast, I want to encourage you to take some time to reflect on all the things that you've learned from the scriptures, things that we've wrestled with, questions you've asked. And I want to encourage you to continue to wrestle with your faith. Obviously, like we said, we're just getting started. Follow the journey of Jacob, but don't stop there. Follow the journey of God's promise all the way through the Bible, through Jesus and ultimately reaching you and your life. How can you be like Israel to those around you? How can you be a blessing, not only to your family, but to your friends and to the lost? 
And how can you share God's promise and create a better community and a deeper community of faith around you? Let's close out with a prayer. God, thank you for this journey and thank you for Jacob. He lived a long, hard life, but from his life, we've learned so much. Thank you for his example. Thank you for how he wrestled with his own faith. And thank you how your promise, God, stands true today. You love us, you believe in us, and ultimately you wanna bring us home because there are many rooms in your house that you long to fill. I can't wait to see you, God, and I can't wait for us all to be there, united in your glory, praising your son, Jesus. So in his name, and until that day, we say, amen. Wrestling with Faith is a nonprofit podcast brought to you by the Mission Point Yo Pro Ministry. We'll see you next time.